and you're with somebody who's just praying and you're man like ah they really love God they really know the Lord and I I don't even know what to say I stumble over my words I've been on both sides of that I've been in prayer meetings where you know I'm praying and it's just I'm just trying to stay focused I'm just trying to, trying to feel like my words aren't bouncing off the ceiling and coming right back at me. And, and, I've, and I've heard other people pray, and they're just so good. And then I start to feel bad because I'm not really talking to God. I'm really measuring who's a better prayer and, and how does that work. And, you know, prayer, prayer is, is one of the most important things that you can do as a Christian. It's kind of like in, in your marriage, in your dating relationship, communicating with, with the person that you care about, that is one of the most important things that you can do. And, and in your walk with the Lord, prayer, your ability to, to communicate with God is one of the most important things that you can possibly pursue in your relationship with God. Yet, to be honest, it's one of the hardest things that we do sometimes. To, to have that that living, vital, interactive relationship with God. And I, and I think sometimes we, we pursue it and we want it, and then other times it's just one of those things where it's a write-off. It's one of those religion write-offs where we just kind of go through the motions, but, but we don't actually engage in this personal, communicating relationship with God. Uh, there was a guy that I was, I was meeting with him and his wife for a little bit of time, and they were a great couple, uh, really young in their faith, sort of baby Christians, and they're discovering who, who God was at that time. And, and I remember talking with him, and he had gone through all of the, re- he, he had had all the religious check boxes uh, ticked off in his life. He was, uh, he was baptized as a baby, he went through CCD and confirmation and all the hoops. He was, a, he was an altar boy. And on paper, he really represented what every parent would love for their child to go through all the hoops and all the boxes that had to get checked. And I remember sitting with him as a, as a grown man with his wife. And we, we got to a point in our conversation where I, I asked him if he would pray for her. And I remember we sat there and he looked at me and he said, he said, Don, I've, I've never prayed out loud before. And now I'm sure that he had read prayers from books. A lot of us, we've, we've gone through the, the prayer books and things like that. But to actually sit and to intercede for his wife to God, he had never done it before. And I remember in that moment, and the reason it came to my mind as I was thinking about, about this morning, is that in that situation, it was such a reminder to me that I think that we're really good at pursuing religion, but sometimes we're kind of lousy when it comes to pursuing a relationship with God. Sometimes when it comes to actually having a personal communicating back and forth relationship with God. Sometimes I think that, that we really struggle with that. And, and a lot of times we're okay, we just sort of step back and we say, you know what, if it's my turn to pray, I just say pass. When it's my turn to talk to God, I don't know what to do, so it's just, it's just a pass. And yet there is an aspect of who God is that desires, he longs, he wants to be in an intimate relationship with you where it's not just you knowing how to stand up, kneel down, read a book, say a prayer, check out, go home and do your thing, but that where you are actively living in a relationship with him. That's the kind of God that he is. There's a promise in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 13, it's, it's a great promise that God makes to us. He says this. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's a lot of religions where God is a mystery, where God is far off, where you just do things that you hope will please him. Our God that we serve, according to Jeremiah 29, says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's a promise that God makes, and that is a foundation for what we're looking at this morning as we think about prayer. This idea that when we think about Church 101, a healthy church should have passionate prayer. And our big idea for this morning is that passionate prayer is set on Jesus. 
passionate prayer is set on Jesus. Because it's not enough to pursue religion. It's not enough to be set on the church and our, and our liturgy. We need to be a church that has passionate prayer that is set on Jesus. So here's, here's the plan for how the morning's going to go. I want us to take some time and I want us to, to interact with this idea of prayer. And so we're going to do three things. We're going to look at what is prayer. We're going to look at why do we pray. And then the third thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do you pray. So the first two things, they might be a little bit uh, academic, a little intellectual, a little bit of a conversation about prayer. But at the end, and honestly, that's what I'm the most excited about is being done with this thing so that we can actually get to the end, so that we can really pray. And what I want us to do at the end is I want us to actually take time and pray. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to do it like the, like the comedy guy said where you're sort of holding hands. I thought about it. I thought about having you bunch up into little clusters and hold hands and pray and, and make you say all sorts of things. But, you know, I don't want you to pray about the bumps on the person's face or not really be sure what you can do. So you can relax. I'm not going to have you do that. But one of my goals is that sometimes I think as Christians, we can talk about prayer, but we don't know how to do it. And so I want to give you an opportunity when we get to the end to actually open your mouth and speak to God because I don't want anyone to leave here like my friend and feel like I have never actually opened my mouth and spoken to God. So I'm excited too because the song that we're going to do at the end, it's a great song. It talks about at the mention of your name, that at the mention of Jesus' name, everything changes. And so we're going to use that to interact with God a little bit. So it seems fitting that as we start, maybe we should pray. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, uh, we're thankful that before any of us showed up this morning, you were already here. God, we're thankful that you are in this place, and because you're here, we can find you. We can know you. And God, we want to position our hearts. We want to we posture our minds and our thoughts, our attitudes to pursue you. And so, God, just as we saw in Jeremiah 29, I ask that you would be found by us. God, that you would fulfill that promise that when we seek you, when we move towards you with our whole heart, that you would allow yourself to be found. God, that's my prayer to you this morning, that you would allow us to see you, that you would allow us to know you, to interact with you, to experience you in a deeper and in a fuller way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, number one. What is prayer? What is prayer? For you uh, note takers, three words. Talking with God. I, I scoured all sorts of theology books and doctrine and you can Google it. What is prayer? You're going to come up with all sorts of things. I wanted it to be simple. Talking with God. Talking because you are engaged. Prayer is not nap time. Prayer is not just, uh, you're engaged, you're talking with, because it's a two-way street. You're not talking to God, you're not talking at God. It's a two-way street, you're talking with God. So sometimes you may be speaking, sometimes you may be listening. And God, because the object is God. Uh, prayer is not a journey of self-discovery. There's a lot of current trends, there's a lot of older trends, that prayer is where you get in touch with yourself. And so you visualize your day. You visualize your goals. You think about where you want to be. You think about who you want to be. That is not prayer. Prayer is talking with God. Where you are engaged, it's a two-way street, and He is the object. It is not self-discovery. It is the discovery of God. That's what prayer is all about. Some people think of prayer and they, they view it through this candy dispenser uh, theology. This sense that when I think about prayer, it really is a, a candy dispenser. We approach God like he's a cosmic bellboy. We ring a bell, and he comes, and we ask him for what we need. Uh, God, I got this test coming up and I haven't studied. Can you give me an A? God, give me a Mercedes. God, help this, help this guy to love me. Help this girl to love me. Help my kids to just be quiet. 
Okay, we get this idea that, that God is this candy dispenser and we pray to go to him and to get something back. Where do we get that? Well, sometimes uh, we're guilty of something called proof texting. Proof texting is when you take one passage of Scripture and you pull it out of its context and you just apply it to your life. There's a lot of people that do that. I've seen a lot of preachers on TV do that. Well, here's an example of where we might get this candy dispenser approach. John 15, 7. It's a great passage. It's a powerful passage. Jesus is talking. Here's what he says. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's exciting. That's the kind of prayer that I like. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My first encounter with prayer that I can remember is when I was in second grade and I was two days away from show and tell and I prayed that God would give me a cheetah like a real live cheetah I wanted to be that kid who could go into show and tell I was a Christian raised in a Christian home I believed in Jesus I had faith I prayed earnestly for two days that God would give me a cheetah because I wanted to be that kid that showed up in school for show and tell with a cheetah. Now, I don't know if he would have eaten my friends. I don't know how that would have gone. All I knew is that that's what I wanted. And I prayed earnestly for those two days, a prayer of faith, according to this passage. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given. Two days. You know what happened on the day of show and tell? I did not have a cheetah. And I was genuinely surprised. I remember that. I'm, I'm, I think I'm 41. And I still remember. I really thought that God would give me a cheetah. Now that's a totally ridiculous example of a struggle that you and I have. Which we look at a passage like this and we say, well, it says here that if we ask for what we desire, God will give it to us. So I pray and I ask God for what I desire. And you know what? He doesn't always give it to me. The cheat is a silly example. When I was a kid, my brother had cancer. We earnestly prayed that God would heal my brother. And he didn't. I could go through. I could tell you all sorts of things about my life, about the lives of people that I know, people I care about, that they earnestly prayed, believing. And it didn't happen. And I think when we cling to this verse 7 in isolation, we fall into this trap where because we view prayer as this candy dispenser, and I prayed and, I, and God didn't answer, He didn't give me what I asked for, so you know what, that's why I don't pray. That's why I don't trust God. That's why I don't bring Him the important things because He never comes through for me, so I just, I just don't do it. So I, I want you to look at the real context of this verse because what you'll see is it's so much richer than maybe what you thought it was when you just looked at verse 7. Look at the preceding verses starting at verse 5. Jesus says, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Prayer is grown from an abiding relationship with God. What Jesus is laying out in this passage in the fullness of these verses is that the way that we approach prayer is all about abiding in the presence of God. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, linger with me, dwell with me. Engage your life into my life. Allow who I am to flow into who you are. And then, if you abide in me, Ask whatever you wish. The takeaway for this with prayer is that prayer begins from an abiding relationship 
with God. He's not a candy dispenser. We don't pray just to get the goodies. The key is in the abiding. Now, let me just be clear here. God hears you, and He's interested in you, even if you're far away. I don't want you to take this passage or misunderstand what I'm saying to say that prayer only comes if you are, uh, you know, so close to Jesus. The reality is, is that there are plenty of examples in the New Testament and the Old Testament too, where, where God hears people who are far off, where time and again an individual came to Jesus, when you're looking through the Gospels, you'll see a man, you'll see a woman, you'll see all sorts of people coming to Jesus, and, and they were in no way worthy of having a conversation with Jesus. They were far off, but time and time again, Jesus hears them, he listens, and he engages them. And likewise, on the other side, there's people who come to Jesus who, who look amazing on the outside, but inside they are far off from him. And he says, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with you. So, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying or this passage to say that it's this transactional thing that if you're good enough, if you're religious enough, if you abide in him and do all the right things, well, then you'll get what you ask for. That's not what Jesus is saying there. All he's trying to say is that the lens that you look at prayer through begins and ends in relationship. It begins and ends in communication with God, in talking with Him. Think of it this way. In, in your relationships with people, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids, your parents. I, I don't know what relationships you have. In your relationships with people, communication is the key to every relationship, and without it, you can't survive. Every relationship you have, if you aren't communicating, you're not thriving, you're not surviving. When I interact with couples, uh, two things. Uh, one, th the single greatest uh, trait of success is when Christ is right in the center. If Christ is not in the center of the relationship, so many other things fail to grow out of that. Okay? That's the first thing. The second thing that really makes a, a huge difference, something that I see show up in, in couples all the time, is a sign of health or maybe a sign of not being healthy is when I hear this phrase, we don't talk anymore. We, we, don't, we don't talk anymore. We used to we used to go for long walks. We used to talk on the phone. We used to go out at night. We used to date. We don't talk anymore. And, and what I would say is that in any relationship where that becomes a, a, a characteristic, something that's said of that relationship, I can promise you that relationship is on a downward spiral and it will end unless you change something. Some of you, you're the product of relationships that experience that symptom. We stopped talking. We had kids. It was hard. Job changed. It got in the way. We just drifted apart. We don't talk anymore. I remember my first girlfriend, fifth grade. Karen Vitting. She was amazing. She changed my life to this day. I mean, <laughs> just kidding. Blonde, great girl, fifth grade. I think she could beat up my friends. That's, you know, fifth grade. And we dated, I think, for almost three weeks. <laughs> changed my life. Three weeks. First girlfriend. You want to know why it lasted three weeks? Because when we got together, we couldn't have a conversation to save our lives. Like you could goof around a little bit. You can, I don't know what you do. Well, I'm sure we could do it. I mean, it was, it was fun. We were in school and stuff. But we, we didn't have anything to talk about. We didn't know how to talk. We didn't know how to communicate. So I think half of the relationship was trying to figure out if we were in a relationship, and then the other half was trying to decide if we're done. Like there was no substance in the relationship. Now, I, I contrast that with my wife, Carly. So we're, we're married 19 years, and do you know where it started? We did a missions trip when we were in college to go to Amsterdam for the summer. And the first 
meaningful experience that we had with each other was on the plane sitting next to each other for the international flight to Amsterdam. Maybe 10 hours. I don't remember how long it was. But what I remember is that from the moment we sat down and we were getting ready to take off until the moment we landed, we talked the whole time. All the rest of the, you know, everyone on our team, they're all sleeping. They're all listening to music. They're passed out. And we just sat and talked. Every once in a while, I'd take a break and throw some food at her and, and just do some dumb stuff. But for the most part, we just talked. She talked about her background. She talked about her childhood. I talked about my background, where she was going, where I was going, things we struggled with, things we hoped for, things we prayed for. And it was like our relationship started under the premise that communication is the lifeblood of what enables you to survive or not. Because if you're not communicating, then you're not growing. You want a healthy relationship with that person in your life? Communicate. You want a healthy relationship with God? Communicate. And let me just qualify. All things are not equal. A face-to-face -face conversation is never a substitution a text message. Online posts. I swear, I think sometimes we have this idea that we're so close with people because we know how to track them online. You run into a crisis in your life with somebody, and what do you do? Well, I'm going to Facebook it. I'm just going to post it. And we monitor our relationships online because we don't know how to actually pick up a phone and talk with somebody or go for a walk or have coffee or tea or, or just engage them. We don't know how to ask for forgiveness. We don't know how to seek forgiveness. We don't know how to apologize. We don't know how to share what's really bothering us. And so we have all of these relationships that rise and fall without ever speaking a word. So when we talk about this idea of communicate, don't misunderstand and think, well, I just need to send more text messages. I just need to leave a couple more voicemails. That is not going to produce a thriving, communicating relationship. Communicate is key. That's what prayer is. Why? Why do we pray? Point number two, why do we pray? Well, there's two reasons. We pray to know God, and we pray to see Him move. Those are the two reasons why we pray. We pray because we want to know God and we pray because we want to see Him move. So we seek Him and we want to see Him show up. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to default just to wanting to see Him move. I, I know for me, sometimes I'm victim to that, to that candy dispenser idea and, and I approach prayer. Why do I pray? Well, I want to see Him move. God do this, God do that, God show up here, God change that, God fix this. And sometimes I skip the relationship just so I can see him move. So I want to look at a, another passage of Scripture in Luke. Luke chapter 5, where we see Jesus really demonstrate these two things, to, to know God and to see him move. Look at Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 15. It says this, uh, But now even more, the report about him went abroad. This is talking about Jesus. It's towards the beginning of his ministry. People just are they're getting healed. Crowds are starting to come. Reports are going out. And they're coming from all over the place. More and more the crowds are gathering. It says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. What did Jesus do? But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In the midst of tremendous encounters and outpourings of the power of God, what did Jesus do? Jesus withdrew to places where no one else was so that he could talk to his Father. Guys, when we pray, when we think about why do we pray, we pray because we want to be in relationship with God and we want to see Him move. But you've got to understand that our desire for God to act should never precede our pursuit of knowing Him. Our desire for God to act should never precede our pursuit of knowing Him. And Jesus showed us this. In a moment where Jesus could have been all in as the crowds gathered, as people got bigger and more people came and sick people are healed, Jesus could have moved more into the power encounters of His Father. But our pursuit for God to move should never precede our desire to know Him. And so Jesus takes a step back and He goes into a place where no one else is so that He can pray. 
And I wonder in your life and in mine, do we do that? Do we take time out of our activity, out of the busyness, even if it seems like it's God-ordained and God-blessed, to engage in conversation with Him? Because power flows from intimacy. Power flows from intimacy. There's another guy that I'm meeting with here, and uh, we were talking just a little while ago, and he was telling me that, that he feels like God is moving in his life in ways that he hasn't felt for a long time. And I asked him why. And he said that there have been some things in his life, some chronic sins, some reoccurring sin that he has known about, but he hasn't, he hasn't pulled it out. And, and recently, he's really just been rooting it out of his life. Some stuff that he was involved in, some stuff that was going on, he, he knew it wasn't of God, but he just kind of let it go along. And he's at a place now where he is uprooting it from his life. And he says, I feel like my conversations with God are at a totally different level than they used to be. Why is that? Because when we pursue intimacy with God, we, he, we see his power move in our lives. And there are some of us, and we, we, we live in the absence of the real power of God at work within us, not because God's not interested, not because God's not willing, not because God's not able, but because there are things in our lives that are obstructions to intimacy. There are things in our lives that, that hinder that intimate, close relationship with God where we really get to see His power at work in us and around us. Because we're not pursuing that person of Jesus. There's a quote from E.M. Bounds, a really good theologian and author. He wrote a book, uh, The Complete Work on Prayer, and he speaks to this. He says, The faith which creates powerful praying is the faith which centers itself on a powerful person. Faith in Christ's ability to do and to do greatly is the faith which prays greatly. Our prayer begins and ends with our faith in Jesus, in pursuing that intimate relationship with him. Uh, James 5 gets the exact same point across. In James 5, uh, verse 13, it says this. He says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Do you want to have power in your prayer life? Get clean and move towards Jesus. He says God will move in amazing, powerful, abundant ways. Confess your sin. Get clean and move towards Jesus and you will see power in prayer. He doesn't say a perfect man. He doesn't say a perfect woman. He says someone who is seeking God diligently because there is power in prayer. But it begins when you abide. John 15, 7, if you abide in me, you will see me move. And you can't rush abiding. You can't hurry through it. You can't speed through it. It doesn't mean rushed. It doesn't mean quick. It means linger, time, investment, close. Do those words describe your encounters with God? So that's why we pray. Finally, how do we pray? How do we pray? Uh, to be honest, uh, this is where it gets hard for us. A little bit, this is where the rubber hits the road in terms of how do I do it? How do I pray? What do I do? And so uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to look at uh, the Lord's Prayer. Just pretty quickly, just for the sake of time, because I want to have time for us to be able to pray. I want to look at the Lord's Prayer and I want to pick just, I want to organize it under a couple bullets. Things that you can write down as you're taking notes and you're thinking through, what is the Lord's Prayer? Now, for some of you, the Lord's Prayer, it might be the most formulaic prayer that you have, you have read in church or heard spoken, and it means nothing to you. For others of you, the Lord's Prayer might be something that's really meaningful and powerful. What I want to do is I want to I look at it the way that Jesus prayed it. And I want to I give you some, some bullets that you can apply to your own life in terms of how do you pray? What do you do? So, look at Matthew chapter 6. 
Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is uh, introducing this idea of prayer to his followers. He's sort of introducing and describing what what prayer should look like. So look at how he introduces it in verse 5. He says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. How do you pray? By moving from form into fellowship. How do you pray? You move from form into fellowship. Remove the distractions. Remove the obstacles. Put your phone in the other room and put it on silent. Get away from the TV. Get away from your email. Remove the distractions. Remove just the form of it and move into relationship. Prioritize now. Remember that a couple without a dating life is malnourished and dying. A Christian without time set aside to meet with God is starving. And that's what Jesus says here. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand up in the synagogues and street corners so everybody can see them. When you pray, just go someplace quiet, shut the door and talk to me. Look at verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. How do you pray? Say what you mean. You want to pray? You want to know how? Say what you mean. Don't use a lot of words that are meaningless to you. Don't use a lot of words that sound nice or they're fancy or they're filled with form. Say what you mean. Don't be like the folks who use a lot of big words, many words. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Say what you need. Verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How do you pray? Acknowledge God as God as well as your dad. It's a statement of power and intimacy. God is God. Acknowledge him as God. But remember that he's also your dad. Jesus makes a statement here of power and of intimacy. Let that show up in how you pray. Look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you pray? You pray, God, move here. God, act here. God, make this place your kingdom. When you pray, you are inviting God into the reality of your world and you are asking that his reality will supersede your reality. God, move here. Act here. Make this place your kingdom. In sickness, in pain, in grief, in brokenness, Jesus, be here. That's how you pray. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. How do you pray? God, save me. God, provide. When you pray, take a posture of daily relying on him in your struggles. You can bring him your needs. You can bring him your hurts. You can bring him your desires. He wants them. He knows what you need. You're not going to surprise him, but you bring him your needs. You ask for his provision, for him to save you. Having a posture that is daily relying on him to come through. That's how you pray. Look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. When you pray, take a posture of brokenness toward God and your own need to extend mercy and grace toward those that have wronged you. When you pray, 
approach God with an understanding that you need His forgiveness. Don't have such a high view of yourself when you pray that you fail to see the disproportionate relationship between an almighty, holy, heavenly God and you and me. Come to Him asking for forgiveness, but also come to Him asking for the grace and the mercy to be extended toward those that have wronged you. This is a relationship. He wants the way that he forgives you to fill you so that you can forgive others. Is that a part of your prayer? For those relationships that are broken, those people that you're struggling with, do you come before him and say, God, I need your grace. I need your mercy to be extended so that I can pour it out on others. Do you do that? Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How do you pray? God, keep me for you and you alone. In the midst of your temptation, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of all the things that you deal with, God, keep me for you and you alone. God, there's so many things that cry out for my attention. There are so many things that call out for me that want me to go there and do this, and I know that some of it's good, but God, I know others of it. It's gonna take me away from you. God, keep me for you and you alone. How do you pray? You ask God to keep you for Him in the midst of everything else that you're going through. You know, it's one thing to talk about prayer. It's another thing to do it. I hope that you wrote down some of those things or that when you look at the Lord's Prayer, you can even use that as a model for yourself. And and what I want to do now is I, I tried to boil this down just to three headings that I want us to take a minute to pray through right now. Uh, one is acknowledging God. Acknowledging God for who He is. The second is seeking Him for myself. I seek God for myself. And then the third is I seek Him for others. I seek Him on behalf of others. So what I want to ask you to do is, uh, first I want to ask you to stay, because I know sometimes we get to the end of the message, we go into autopilot, and it's like, oh, must be time to go. Please don't leave. Unless you're a volunteer, then we won't judge you. We thank you for the way that you're serving this morning. But if you're not a volunteer, just stay. Because what I want to do is I'm going to have the worship team come back out. And I've put some scripture together from Psalms, from Matthew. And honestly, if all we do is talk about prayer, but we don't actually do it, it's not a good morning. So as the team comes out, I'm going to read some scripture. And we're going to go through these three, these three phases of acknowledging God, seeking Him for myself and seeking him for others. So I'm going to ask you to take a posture of prayer. I'm going to walk over here so that I'm not a distraction to you. And as you take this posture, that might mean that maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to sit. But I want to ask that you would close your eyes, that you would, that you would affect your posture towards God. And no matter what has been going on, that for this brief moment of time that we can actually put some feet to what we're talking about. So there's going to be some scripture up on the screen. If you want to read that and follow along as I read some scripture for you, I'm going to ask you maybe to, to speak a little bit. Trust me, I am not going to ask you to hold anyone's hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that you're going to feel terrible about. But I want you to pray with me. Let's pray. As we think about acknowledging God for who He is, listen to these words from Psalm 139. O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, 
they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. As we acknowledge God, I want to ask you to look to him now and say one word about him. I don't need you to yell it. I don't need you to shout it. I just want you to speak one word about him. It's not weird if we all do it. One word. Whisper it in your heart. Speak it out of your mouth. One word about God. Faithful. Holy. Just. Righteous. Good. Loving. When you pray, acknowledge God for who He is holy, set apart, but also your Father. When you pray, seek Him for yourself. Listen to Psalm 63. And you can speak this in your own heart and follow along if that helps you understand how to pray. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Behold, your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. As you seek him for yourself, I want to take a moment. I want to encourage you to whisper his name and one thing that you seek. You can say it out loud. Whisper his name and one thing you seek. Jesus, I need peace. Go ahead. Jesus, I need healing. Jesus, I need forgiveness. Jesus, I need love. Jesus, I need strength. Beyond seeking him for yourself, do you seek him for others? Listen to Matthew 9. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want us to pause so that you can pray for those that you know who are hungry, who are hurting, who are marginalized. I want you to go to God on their behalf to ask for healing. Do that right now. now I want you to pray for those that you don't know. People that you know of, but you don't have a relationship with them. People that you see online, people that you see at your job, people that maybe you have intentionally tried to not cross paths with. It might be based on finances, it might be based on skin color, it might be based on politics, it might be based on background. Someone that you don't know, but you know of. Pray for them. Bring them before God. Ask for him to move in their life. Extend grace and mercy to them. 
that they might see him and see him at work in their lives. God, we thank you that talking to you does not need to be nearly as hard as we think it is sometimes. That God, you are there. God, I thank you that at the name of Jesus, everything changes. I thank you that when we just whisper your name, you come. You're in our midst. Storms cease, demons flee, disease is cured. Thank you that when you're here, our lives look radically different. And so God, I ask that you would meet us now as we sit in your presence waiting for you. of the Savior with the heart of the Father you're all we need you're here with the hands of the healer with the power of your spirit you're
mention of your name. we believe that. Jesus, we rely on that. Jesus, in our most honest moments, we need that. We need you to be a breath away. We need you to be God with us, Emmanuel. God, we need the power of what you have done for us to extend into our lives. And we know we know that intimacy is required for that power to be present. God, forgive us for the times that we have pursued intimacy with everything other than you. That we have produced lives that are torn in so many directions. We lack power. But God, I thank you that you have grace and you have mercy and that you move toward us. Even that while we are still far off and far away, you see us. And you run toward us. So God, I ask that we would experience the reality of our loving Father running toward us. God, help us not to hide. Help us to just throw our hands up. Confess that we're done. And then move to you. God, thank you. Thank you that you've given us the means to know you, to talk with you, to have conversations with you, to communicate with you, that prayer is something that can be a real part of our lives. And so God, I ask that as we go out from this place, we wouldn't go out just knowing more things about prayer, but that we would go out as a praying people, knowing that you have given us everything that we need to pursue an intimate relationship with you. So God, I thank you for who you are and for your glorious name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me? I wanna let you know that if you wanna stay and pray, you are welcome to do that. We have a great prayer team of people. They have yellow lanyards on. They would love to pray with you. You just gotta find one and continue this process of prayer with them. My prayer for you is that you would leave here in the reality that you can know God and know him fully wherever you go. So go out in his name, that mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>